What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast, serving up the latest Everton news with stateside views. I'm here with my good buddy, Matt. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to have you. So, as I've mentioned um, before, I've been wanting for a while now to have a guest on the show. Uh, Matt's an Everton fan that lives pretty close to me, um, and he's been really excited and been helping me out recently with it. We watched the match today, so really excited to cover it. Um, so I guess let's get right into it. Let's do it. So today, um, formation was a pretty classic uh, 4-3-3, as Silva stated he was going to go with this season. Pickford started in goal, that's no surprise. Um, the back four was Coleman, Holgate, Keane, and Baines. Um, the interesting thing about the back four was last week we saw Coleman take the armband as Jagielka has a, has a three-match ban, um, and you know all the supporters were shouting for it. Next thing you know, this match, um, you know, the lineup comes out and Baines has the armband. I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, Matt and I kind of talked about it as well. You know, the question, why did Coleman lose the armband and was it given to Baines? Yeah, and it's one of those things where we don't know what happened in training over the week. Um, I'm sure that it will make a fascinating story a few years from now. Um, and we probably won't ever know all the details, but it's certainly interesting to have the captain's armband switch uh, so frequently. Right. I mean, <clears throat> for the most part, Baines is usually second captain behind Jagielka. Um, you know, obviously supporters have been calling for Coleman to be captain for actually, I, I would say probably two to three seasons. He captains um, the Republic of Ireland already. Um, and he's usually mo a lot more vocal than vocal than, than Leighton Baines is. Um, so it, it's really interesting to see. But anyway, moving on to the midfield, um, we had a midfield trio of, of Adrisa Gay, Tom Davies, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. Uh, Schneiderlin was hurt last week, so it was pretty much expected that Davies would come in to start. And then lastly, up top, our three were Richarlison, I mean, excuse me, Walcott on the right, Jenk Tosin up front, and Richarlison on the left. So if you haven't ca caught the scoreline, it was a 2-2 draw away at Vitality Stadium against Bournemouth. Um... It seems every single season, last couple years, they're kind of our bogey team. A lot of a lot of thrillers, a lot of goals scored, and to be honest, the draw felt like a loss. Um, it was really like, you know, it was bad, and then it turned into a nightmare. Yeah, if you had told me uh, a few hours ago that we would draw away at Bournemouth, I would feel probably disappointed, but okay in general because it you know it's it's an away match i wouldn't feel like we dropped points but uh certainly after that performance and being ahead by two goals um dropping points there uh really does feel like a loss and it feels like uh bournemouth really got away with murder today right yeah i mean it did and <clears throat> just to remind everyone bournemouth started off the season uh two wins out of two so it was always expected that it was going to be a tough game especially away they have fantastic support um, you know, you can tell that they're, they're a team that really believes in the manager, what he wants to do, how he wants to play. Um, I kind of mentioned to Matt at the beginning of the, of the game, you know, how quickly they're passing, they're moving um, off the ball was, was really smart um, and well-drilled. So, you know, I, I would agree with you that um, initially a draw away at Bournemouth was probably a good result, but it just feels, you know, like another typical Everton letdown. So we'll get into it. I like to talk about the tactics um, briefly. So Everton kind of em em implored, 
a uh, a four three three, which is expected, um, with with a pretty high press, and you know the defense sits at a pretty high line, which um, it's it's not fitting for Keen, but it's pretty fitting for Holgate because he's he's obviously quicker. So that's good to see. Um, I know Matt can kind of talk better to how Pickford plays in in his role as a keeper with a high line. Yeah, it's um, not so much that he's like a sweeper keeper that you might see um, offensively building out from the back uh, using Pickford too much, but he is uh, responsible, more responsible than most keepers would be to uh, clean up what comes over the top from the, um, from a descent, defensive standpoint. Um, and I, th- I felt like today he, he did pretty well with that. Um, uh, it's a lot of pressure on him uh, to perform well with his feet defensively. Um, and I really felt like, he, uh, of course, he had some amazing saves. Um, you know, the, the announcers on, um, on our broadcast on NBC uh, said that they were pretty straightforward saves, but there's really no such thing, uh, you know, given his uh, positioning was uh, really well. Um, and But also uh, dealing with that high line and that high press uh, as a keeper, I thought he did uh, very well on the day. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Pickford was good as usual. There were a couple of, of um, odd moments, a little miscommunication between, you know, specifically I remember a moment with Holgate and Pickford. Um, but overall I thought, I thought it looks cleaner. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the press this week compared to last week in terms of uh, pressing their defensive third, you know, um, you know, our, our front four kind of working together. It definitely felt more uh, like they were integrated as a press. Um, there wasn't any one uh, person, uh, any one player who, who stood out as um, not being on the same page, um, especially since last week. Um, you know, uh, Tosin was kind of was doing a lot of running, uh, but wasn't necessarily uh, contributing as much to the press. Um, as as the other front, uh, 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 Richarlison, Sigurdsson, and, and Walcott. Um, so I felt like the, the press was um, better coordinated, uh, which is always important, um, and they just seemed to be on the same page. Right, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Cenk Tosin, you could tell last week, was not on the same page at all. He was having a rough go out of it. He al- always puts in um, a good shift, you know, his work rate can never be questioned, um, you know, but it was definitely noticeable. You could see last 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 week Sigurdsson or, like, Walcott would be pointing at him, like, hey, I'm making, you know, I'm pressing to the right or to the left. You need to be central or you mm-hmm. need to cut the passing lane between the two center backs. Mm-hmm. Um, this week it, it was much better, but it still wasn't where you would expect it to be. Right. Um, I know specifically during the press, you kind of see Sigurdsson press almost in like a front four. He will press all the way to the back line along with Cenk Tosin. So it's a little different. Um, you know, you also got to think with these types of tactics, not all players are so versatile. If Cenk Tosin has never played in a in a system in which you are pressing at all times, and especially with how it can vary, specifically with Sigurdsson coming up from the attacking midfield spot and pressing like a center back as opposed to maybe marking a, a DM, then, you know, it takes some time to integrate, but it definitely looked better. I would agree with you there. So then moving on to Bournemouth's tactics, um, it was pretty pretty much a flat 4-4-2 um, with a midfield press. I say a midfield press, meaning they, they really weren't pressing the center backs as much, um, but they were definitely trying to give Ghana and Davies as, the, as little amount of space and time on the ball as possible. And then 
What they were aiming for were long balls over the top into the ginormous gap between our defenders and Jordan Pickford to kind of exploit the pace that they had with uh, Josh King and Callum Wilson. I thought even uh, with their, their long ball tactics, there were some moments where they were combining well. Uh, that is uh, Bournemouth on the wings, um, especially uh, moving through Frazier um, and uh, Callum Wilson was causing our back line a lot of problems. Uh, that definitely uh, made me nervous in the first part of the game, uh, but it really uh, felt like we were able to figure that out um, eventually, even given um, a, a gap in our lineup, which we will talk about later. Right, yeah. Um, I thought it was, they they played pretty well given, you know, their quality. Um, I thought, you know, they linked up really well. It was pretty dangerous. They flubbed quite a few chances, to be honest. Um, but I think one specific part, and I guess not to go too much into detail, but I think that even in a high line, Keane has been using his physicality really well mm. to make up for lack of pace. Um so, you know, that's if you haven't paid attention to that, I know a lot of a lot of Everton fans have agreed that he's played well this season and it's really good to see because, you know, we all know he can, you know, the type of defender he can be. He just hasn't shown it as of last season. Um, but that's one thing, you know, to add. So, I guess moving on to the main events of the match and kind of what we thought of um, each player as we go through that. Yeah. So, as we said, um Bournemouth was uh, causing a lot of problems, um, but it was a uh, fairly um, back-and-forth uh, first half until about the 41st minute when uh, Richarlison was sent off with a straight red. And uh, Alex, I know you have some thoughts on this, uh, some feelings on this, so why don't you uh, share what you thought about it? So Matt saw me really slouching in the couch. Um, I mean, it was soul-crushing, to be honest. So... From what I saw, and I could have I could have peered away for a second, but on the NBC Sports Gold um, broadcast, I didn't see anything that happened. The camera was kind of pointed on the referee. Um, Richarlison was kind of on the edge of the left uh, of the box on the left hand side, kind of where you would expect him to be. And then all of a sudden, you see a bunch of Bournemouth players kind of running with their hands up to the referee. The referee walks over. You see a red card, and I'm just sitting here like you know, PTSD flashbacks from two weeks ago because this is the second match in the first three that we have a red card in, in, in the 40-something minutes. Straight red card. Right. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. So if you if you look, you know, um, uh, he was, it was Adam Smith, right? Adam Smith. Yep. Uh, Adam Smith walks over. He obviously said something, um, you know, something to Richarlison. Walks over. They just put their heads together. And then Richarlison gives him the tiniest nudge. He then waits about two seconds, decides to act like the world's ending, and he was, you know, essentially just shot in the face, and then um, straight red was shown. It, it really grinds my gears to see it because, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why I started following Everton and, you know, something I talk with my grandpa specifically about all the time and what he really likes about Everton is the fact that generally speaking they're they're a noble like honest team. Mm. Everton are not the type of team and never have been to just go out and you know try to annoy the opposition or or use those types of tactics. They're not, mm. you know, you don't have people going out trying to fish for fouls or or you know 
kind of uh, piss people off and, and, and try to, you know, I guess, um, push them into acting out like Smith did on Richarlison. So it's just extra annoying to see. Uh, maybe I'm kind of a little old school, but it was it, it changed the match tremendously. Um, and on top of that, you know, it's probably going to be a three-match ban for Richarlison. Mm. So, and, and on that point, I'd like to, I'd like to note that um, the first match, Lookman was not on the bench. The second match, he makes the bench. And this third match, he was missing again. Bernard actually made the bench over Lookman. Um, so, you know, initially you'd think, okay, Lookman probably gets his chance next week. But I'm not so sure. So, anyway, yeah, I, I, I just I was infuriated by the red card. I, I don't know that they're going to um, that they're gonna appeal it. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you can't give the referee the opportunity to have to make the decision. That's, that's very true. I think... Um, it, it points to probably a tactical decision um, on Bournemouth's uh, part to uh, really every time you saw um, Richarlison get the ball in the in the first 40 minutes, uh, he was being absolutely swarmed by Bournemouth defenders. Um, you know, which was exciting for us uh, as spectators, as as supporters, to um, you know hope that he could figure it out, try to you know break out of that pressure, and then he's got plenty of space uh, to work with, plenty of options. Um, but you know he was having a hard time uh, compensating with it. it. Must have been very frustrating to to happen. But they were being they were getting really chippy with him. Um, and then of course Adam Smith is is running his mouth um, and and gets into a really con- confrontational um, stance. I, I saw Callum Wilson doing a lot uh, of the same stuff. Uh, you know calling uh, you know every time he was called for offsides he was protesting. Um, Any time that he got a chance to uh, leave a foot in or. Um, or really uh, body off a defender in you know in, in not exactly the cleanest way um, you know obviously this is modern football and everything but um, but yeah I, I felt like it was a, a tactical decision on Bournemouth's part to try to get under uh, Richarlison's skin as well as the, under the skin of our back line and um, I, you know uh, I have to say I guess Adam Smith was successful in that moment uh which in that is, moment that's is frustrating key yes that's uh, key phrase uh it, it was frustrating in the moment um but you're right um you know poor decision making on Char- Richarlison's part but honestly um I think it was an overreaction um it's either a yellow or a red card for both players um or or nothing um uh, you know a, a stern talking to at the most but um you know we'll see um on the match ban you know see, right. see right. what the results from that are going to be right uh, so that that pretty much was uh, the first half, um, and then we came out and looked like a different team. Um, I have to say, after um, after when the second half started. Um, so uh, at the 56th minute, uh, you want to walk us through what happened, right? So um, in the 56th minute, uh, Walcott. Well, I guess um, Pickford hit a long ball to Walcott. Right. It was uh, into Sigurdsson, I think, who laid it off to Tosin on the touchline. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, right, and right. who played a beauty of a right. Of a I was thinking ball. about. I was thinking about um, the Adam Smith red card. My fault. Oh no. Right. Worries. Yeah. So uh, Sigurdsson plays a um, a ball out to Tosin on the uh, um, on the touchline. Walcott uh, gets a through ball from Tosin um, and just shows off his pace, uh, shows off his composure, um, and is able to uh, put it past Begovic um, for the first goal in the 56th minute. And it was just, I mean, it was a sight to see, right? Right. I mean, it was, 
the energy was was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I specifically was jumping up and down. Um, it was it was great because Walcott used his pace. You know, I noticed this match. You know, sometimes he made the wrong decision. He didn't he didn't fall he didn't find Jake Tosin on one diagonal run he made um, earlier in the match, which was which was annoying because you know the play was kind of killed. But he hit it nice, low, and hard to the near post, which Matt, I'm sure. As a former keeper, that was annoying to see, but not as an Everton fan, right? No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, obviously you have to cover your uh, front post and be decisive about uh, you know coming out to the ball uh, to to meet the striker. But um, certainly, um, honestly, it was uh, Walcott's composure more so than anything. Any kind of right. mistake that Begovic made, um, it, I mean, it really was just a, a beauty of a. Uh, it just placed the ball perfectly. Right. Yeah, I mean, and. And you look at the last two matches, so that's two goals in three games for Walcott, uh, as well as an assist, I believe, because of uh, last week. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's credited with an assist last week. So um, I think that Walcott's going to be poised for a really successful season at Everton mm-hmm. this year, and that's really important because, you know, regardless of how, how quickly Richarlison has started at the club, um, obviously he's probably looking at a three-match ban um, furthermore, you know, it's, he's he's 21 years old. He's less than, I think, six months older than Adam Lookman, who's shown absolutely nothing in the Premier League. That's a hot take, I'm sure. Um, so you can't really expect um, Richarlison to get more than maybe, maybe 10 goals, which I may be burned at the stake for that. <laughs> but it's that's just, that's just, you know, common sense, regardless of, of how, how optimistic we want to be. So it's important to see Walcott um, producing this quickly, especially because he didn't have really a preseason at all either. He played, I think, the last match of preseason, and that's it. So it's really important to see that. Yeah, and um, just to see the the team bounce back from uh, what could have been a devastating event of having a straight red um, right at the end of the first half, uh, to see them come out, uh, to see them possessing the ball when you know down a man, um, and then, of course, to string those passes together and to put it in the back of the net was really great uh, to see um, because a lot of other teams would have, you know, just kind of parked the bus and, and tried to ride it out for a nil-nil draw. Um, and so I, I think that they were all they were rewarded uh, uh, greatly with that goal. But then, of course, re- rewarded in the 61st minute when, uh, you know, I can't say that I personally believe in karma. Uh, but it's a little harder to say that after seeing what happened to Adam Smith. Right, right. yeah. Um, this is actually where I was going in the 56th minute <laughs> uh, accidentally, but, you know, five minutes apart. Um, so Pickford hit a great long ball out to the right flank to Walcott. Um, you know, he was kind of off to the races, already pretty much near the opposition's box. And Adam Smith, you know, was tugging on his shirt and then kind of clipped his ankles. Not going to lie, it was a little soft, but it was still a foul. And it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity. If Adam Smith didn't do that, Walcott was in on goal. Um, so it was a straight red. And for me, it felt fantastic. And not just because it was a red card, because of who it was. Because I'm going to be honest, you know, you always have those one or two players, um, opposition, that, you know, just they, they piss you off. No matter what season it is, and you never let it go. And I'm gonna be honest, Adam Smith is on my list from now on. He just always will be. Um, you know that. You know that uh, kind of along with, for example, John Terry scoring against Everton a couple years ago, and like 
the 98th minute when the clock should have been cut, I think, three minutes before that, and he was offside. Um, but anyway, going well, off Who's counting? Who's counting? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who's <laughs> thinking about who's that. Who's keeping track, right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I guess you could say that uh, Adam Smith was hoping for a more laissez-faire game. Right. Um, all y'all, uh, economics and, and political uh, political economics uh, majors now are uh, cracking up, I'm sure. Um, okay, this is how you don't get asked back onto a podcast. Uh, so, uh, quickly following that red card, right, uh, it seemed like Bournemouth was on their heels in the 66th minute uh, when we got a beautiful cross from Gilfie Sigurdsson into the head of a high-flying keen. Uh, and that was that was just the roof was blown off uh, the place. I mean, right. that was incredible to see. Yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, if you watch week in and week out, you know that's pretty much the idea behind uh, almost all set pieces and corners. It's Sigerson's going to take it. It's going to be pretty much on a dime. And Michael Keane, you're going to hope he's you know flying high and, and quickly towards goal. Um, you know, initially when I saw it, I thought that maybe Begovic got a hand on it or it kind of bounced off the line and Holgate got to it. But from a different angle, uh, it was, it was a good, it was a fantastic cross. It was a fantastic header. Um, and I'm really glad to see Michael Keane, um, you know, scoring in general because he started off the season well. He deserved a goal for sure. I think last week he had two within the first, uh, five minutes saved by the keeper, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a confidence thing. It really is. So, and, and Everton always need as much as they can get, especially off of the back of, you know, last season. So it was really good to see. Um, I was elated it, just fantastic energy. Yeah. And this definitely is, is just underscoring the, the importance to Keane, uh, and why you keep him in the back line, even if he, uh, is not the, the most pacey mm-hmm. of central defenders is just cause he is such a threat in the air and he's able to, uh, root out a lot of um, threats um, on the defensive side of things. Um, just he is um, always um, up for it, and um, and just uh, uh, I can't say enough uh, right. about about yeah, that goal. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, and then things turn. They did. That's an understatement. They yeah. turned. Um, so it was you know fantastic movement in pace across the front line for Bournemouth. Um, Josh King received the ball, uh, or actually, I think it, it might have been a cross. Um, Keane was, was, was trying to kind of backtrack. Leighton Baines was coming you know, over. Josh King was kind of sandwiched between them. Baines got a, his hand up on his back, and Josh King went down for a penalty kick. Um, again, it was soft, but I can't really argue that it wasn't a penalty kick because it was still a foul. Um, Baines, at I think 34 years old, should know better. Um, and you know, it, it it felt disappointing. But at that point, my mind was still telling me, you know what? It's okay. We're still two two nil up. Uh, you know, if you if you have any goalkeeper in ready to save a penalty, I'd ra- I'd, I'd love to have Jordan Pickford. And as as Matt, you said, this is where things change. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I had my high hopes, of course, uh, for Pickford to, to pull one out. Um, 
you know, you always are, are um, I, usually as a keeper, I'm always rooting for the keeper. Um, if I'm in a neutral position, I'm always rooting for the keeper to pull something out on a PK. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, even though he he did um, guess right, it just it got past him, uh, you know, right. and and so of course no fault uh, to to him. Um, but then of course uh, four minutes later, uh, it was more bad news for Evertonians um, off of a corner. Um, surprise, the, surprise, surprise, surprise! A set piece, no less. Um, uh, Wilson was able to get up into the air, Callum Wilson, and um, just from the near post headed it in, and it rebounded off of the far post. Mm-hmm. And who was there to pick it up but Nathan Ake? Right. Yeah, I mean, he uh, Nathan Ake had, had a good chance earlier in the match off of a set piece as well, but, you know, thankfully for oh. us, it, it hit off his shoulder. You know, the ball was coming over his head. You know, it's always going to be a pretty pretty tough ask, but... He was there to rebound it. Um, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, a, first thought is we've con- we've conceded a-, a goal off of set pieces in every match so far this season. And as I've said previously, I absolutely hate the zonal marking. It's not working. Nobody seems prepared for it. Um, I don't know why he's persisting with it, and I hope he doesn't. A lot of the commentators agree. So initially, Cenk Tosin was supposed to be guarding kind of the area towards the near post where Callum Wilson got the flick or the initial header. He wasn't. He just stood there. So Baines tracked him out, but obviously couldn't get in front of him. That's just not humanly possible. So, you know, the header uh, go flies, far post, um, rebounds off the far post. And Davies was caught staring at the ball. And so Nathan Ake decided, well, maybe I should run towards it because, you know, I have half a brain and I want to win this game. And he had a nice easy tap in. Um, it's just it's just really disappointing to see, because it's just it, it, at this point it's two two. You know, four minutes they score twice to come back, and you're just thinking to yourself, how did that even happen, right? We're, we're not giving up open play goals. We're not being outplayed. It's literally stupidity. It's like lapses in concentration and bad decision making, hmm. um, and that that that's what hurts the most. Cue the uh, sad country music. Yeah, any yeah, anytime uh, the ball is bouncing that much, um, you know, after a set piece or a corner, uh, you know you're in trouble as a defense. Um, you know, it, it was just a lack of uh, players being able to, uh, or being willing to, I should say, um, just get any kind of body part on the ball um, and disrupt uh, players like Ake. Um, you know, it, it was uh, frustrating to see. Um, and just, you know, you, you hope that they either uh, get the zonal marking system uh, working and, and coordinated, which doesn't at this point seem very likely, though, you know, I'm not a manager of the caliber of Marco right, Silva. Right. So that's also hope, fair, yeah. I'm hoping that we'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, so either cleaning up the zonal marking, going with some kind of hybrid where you get the benefits of a zonal marking system uh, with some man-to-man coverage uh, so that you would you would clean up things like, you know, their really, really good striker, Callum Wilson, getting uh, his head to the ball first there. 
um, or you know being able to uh, really take advantage of the talents of, of uh, people like Keen um, and Ghana and and Holgate on on set pieces, uh, which right now we are not um, because you know it's the classic problem of the zonal marking system, which is right. that everybody's either stagnant or backpedaling uh, right. when you really want them to be attacking the ball or at least getting a body on the player who gets the ball so that they don't get it off cleanly. Right. Yeah, I, I do like. Um... I do like your point, your idea about like a hybrid system. Um, you know, sometimes you might see, if I remember correctly, I don't even remember what team I've seen play it recently, but you know, sometimes you might see, you know, three, four, three, four guys posted kind of in front of goal, and then you'll have the rest of the team kind of tracking runners into the box. Um, you know, that's that that can be that can be pretty uh, useful. But I would like to say. Um, while we're kind of on a negative streak here, which is very hard to, you know, not to do, um, in terms of crosses into the box um, or any type of ball in the air in open play, Keenan Holgate killed it. Yeah. They did really well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I really like, and you think that between now Kurt Zuma and Yeri Mina, it's not even out of the question to say that at some point Holgate and Keen could be third and fourth string. I Definitely. I don't know that I agree with that, mm-hmm. but it's still not out of the question. Right. And when you see when you see them perform like they have been in open play, that little caveat in open play, you feel pretty good about it. So, you know, it was at that point. You know, we had about ten minutes left, barring stoppage time, and I personally just felt kind of defeated. You could hear through the TV speakers, um, the home fans at Vitality Stadium were rocking again. Everton fans were trying their best, but it's it's pretty hard at that point. It's just it's it's soul crushing. Yeah, it was a certain. It, there was definitely a, a shift in the character of the game where it just you know before that seventy uh, fifth minute goal, uh, it the momentum and even after the PK goal, um, you know the momentum still felt like it was on Everton's side. Um, you know they were they were threatening. They were getting chances. They were possessing the ball well. Um, especially with um, you know uh, only ten men on each side, you know it opened up a lot of space for Everton to to possess and have meaningful possession in in Bournemouth's side. Um, but you know after that after that second goal from Bournemouth, it really felt like like a defeat, like there was no momentum left in the game, um, and and uh, yeah, it was just really difficult from there on out. Right. Yeah. I mean, five minutes five minutes later, we saw. Uh, Bernard come in for his 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 debut for Walcott. Um, that was exciting. As as most of us know, Bernard has a lot of pace. Um, you know he so he hadn't been playing since March. So you know a lot of people he hasn't been he he's not been injured, but he's not match fit, um, which is why it even took him this long to get on the bench. Um, but it was nice to see him make a debut. He made it. He he, he had a couple touches. He looks quick. He made some nice passes. He, you can tell that although his size is definitely questionable at five foot five, he's mm. tiny. Mm. Um, but it was good to see. He, he linked up well with Coleman a couple times. He had some good passes into the midfield. He can retain the ball. He's smart. You, you can see that he has the footballing brain, which is really important. Mm. So at least towards the end of the match, um, again, before another twist in, in fate, um, there, was, there was a positive for Everton there. Yeah, it, um, my one frustration with that would be that it seemed like it was too little, too late. You know, Silva didn't right. make many uh, changes uh, or any changes, I think, before nope, that. No, he did um, not. And and so it, it was kind of frustrating 
to see that we did need some more um, pace just to put Bournemouth back on their on their heels. Um, and I understand with only four minutes between the the um, opposition goals, you know, you, you don't have much time to react right. um, tactically, and you hope that uh, they're not going to concede that second goal. But at the same time, I felt like we it was evident that we needed more pace up top, um, and so it it did just feel like. Uh, too little, too late to really make a meaningful change. Right. Well, we actually did forget right before that moment, uh, DCL came on for Jenk Tosin. That's right, Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Um, and Calvert-Lewin is, is actually a lot quicker than most people give give him credit for. I saw on the Everton subreddit earlier this week, people were talking about how good he is in the air. And might I add that when he came out on the pitch today, I don't know why I haven't noticed it. Um, I haven't noticed it in the last couple games. But he looks like he's really beefed up this year. Hmm. He looks like he really worked on his physicality. You know, last year he had to put a really good shift in for the first, I think, four or five months of the season. Um, you know, generally speaking at the youth levels, from what I remember, what I saw, he was more so uh, a striker. He would play kind of in, in behind, link up play, that sort of thing. But last season he had to adjust and learn how to play as a target forward, really. Hmm. Um and so when you see him come out, he was honestly jacked. But uh, right, so so Calvert Lewin and Bernard were pretty much a double switch at that point. Either way, it's good to see both. But as he said, you know, it, it would have been nicer to see him a little earlier, even maybe around the 70, 70 75th minute before the PK even occurred. Yeah. Um, because five ten minutes, even mentally, is too hard to get into the game. Like it's it's hard to explain, but it, it's you have to feel the rhythm of the game and how things are going, um, understand, you know, everyone's everyone around you, how they've been playing, but furthermore, how they're feeling, you know, if you need to do extra work to kind of compensate, that sort of thing. So either way, um, it was good to see Bernard to make his debut and Calvert-Lewin getting some minutes, even over Nias. So then moving into the 90th minute um, is where it... You know, fate was turned once again. Yeah, things got uh, went from uh, worse to even worse. Um, nightmare when, at this point. That's right, the nightmare. That is the nightmare. I wanted to wake up, but I didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was the weirdest thing. Um, you know, Alex was sitting here on the couch and he had his eyes closed, and I was trying to shake him, and he just kept saying, "No, no, no." <laughs> um, yeah. And so the ninetieth minute. Um, yeah, it uh, it is a really unfortunate thing. You know, uh, Keane uh, was um, up in the air, uh, and so was Idrissa Gana Gay. Uh, they both went up um, for a defensive header off of a long ball, and um, Keane got to it. Uh, but then, of course, they collided heads, and it just—I mean—from the very first time we saw it, you know, you knew that it was it was going to be a pr- pretty serious thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it so it was it was kind of a, a two piece thing. So him and Ghana's heads hit together, which was bad. Um, it's always bad. But then past that, as Keane was falling, um, he took a large force on his back, which which kind of snapped his neck, and his head hit the ground pretty hard mm. afterwards. Mm. Um, and immediately when you see him, when you see him, you know, kind of his body settle, you just yeah. see his arms kind of relax, and he's just laying there. Yeah, he was limp from the, from yeah. the very get-go. So, just, yeah, no no movement at all. It was uh, pretty scary to see. Right, so you see, you know, you think, like, A, you're thinking, okay, Ghana and Michael Keane are both down, and they're not going to be able to continue. Well, we, 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 don't even, uh, we don't even have another central midfielder in the substitute list. 
furthermore, there are two players down. We've already used two subs. What are we going to do? But but you see Michael Keane kind of settle, and it almost looked like he he was knocked out for a second. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. honestly, the way his like arms were laying, he was just laying there on his back. People were calling, you know, for the match to be stopped immediately. He ended up um, getting carried off the pitch, which is really sad to see. I'm sure Ghana, um, I'm sure Ghana has a nice lump. Hopefully, he he doesn't have any type of concussion, but. Um, it's going to be pretty hard pressed to to think that Michael Keane is going to be back this week or you know next week, maybe even the week after. Uh, he's at least got a concussion. I can tell you that, and that can take him a little bit to get past you know past the dizziness and that sort of thing. And it's something uh, over in the United States specifically. If you know the commentator T- uh, Taylor Twellman, that's something he's really big on is mm-hmm. is the mental health aspect of the game in terms of of head injuries and stuff because. Um, you know, it, it's something not always taken seriously in American sports in general. You know, whether you're talking about Major League Soccer, or the NFL, um, you know, specifically concussions and, and the long term long term effects it can have on your brain. Right. Um, so it's really sad to see. With that being said, um, Kurt Zuma came in again. I don't know that it's a positive saying he made his debut because it was under right. terrible circumstances. I don't even know that he touched the ball to be honest. But um, you know, if I had to guess. I would say that Zuma is going to be starting next week um, and probably for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So on a personal note, even, um, you know, as an Everton supporter, uh, of course, you hope for the best for him. But, uh, yeah, even just, um, you know, you hate to see that. And it was good. It was good to see the Bournemouth supporters um, rallying behind him when he was carried off the pitch, uh, standing and, and applauding him. You never want to see a player go down for something like that. But, you know, we are hoping the best for him. Um, and and for a speedy uh, return to health, right? Yeah, I mean they were, they were you know they were standing up clapping. It was good to see. Um, I have a lot of respect for Bournemouth as a team. You know what they've been able to do over the over the last you know five six years coming from League One under Eddie Howe. Uh, as most of us know, Eddie Howe was linked to Everton for a couple of years, and a lot of supporters you know wanted him you know as as a young um, English manager to kind of move into the club. They thought that could be our progressive manager signing. Mm-hmm. We got Marco Silva. I can't complain at all. I don't no. think anyone can, but um, you know, it was it was good to see. Uh, I, I very much, as, as an American, I can't speak uh, for any of our English uh, friends, but um, I, I quite like the club, the Bournemouth club and, and the supporters. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, so um, with that being, um, you know, bringing us to the to the 96th minute and, and there wasn't much that happened after it seemed like the the momentum had gone out of the game um yep. and you know folks were just the, the players were trying to get out of it without any um uh major injuries um after that and so um any lasting impressions from this game of uh, players who had a standout performance for you well um i think i think specifically keenan holgate did really well again Mm-hmm. Um, at some points, you could see when, when long balls were, were um, you know, passed through over the top from Bournemouth. You could see Holgate's pace kind of on display. I think he did. He he looks really mature. I mean, he doesn't play or look like he's 21 years old. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, Michael Keane I think is only 24, 25. I think 25 now. So it's a young pairing, mm-hmm. but they look really good. Um, so I thought they had good games. Uh, Ghana was good as usual. I was really disappointed by Tom Davies. I think that 
he, you know, box to box, being a box to box midfielder is challenging because you have to learn positioning on the defensive and offensive side of things, right? You, you know, you not only have to learn your partnership with Ghana, for example, you also have to understand how Sigurdsson and Walcott and Richarlison and, and Jake Tosin are going to be moving off the ball and on the ball. And you have to figure out where to make yourself useful in that situation. Um, so, and, and furthermore, you know, both of them are very high energy. You know, both of them being Ghana and Tom Davies, high energy, moving around the pitch, that sort of thing. So I want to see an improvement from him, but can't fault him for the effort. I thought Theo Walcott had a really good game. Yeah. Um, Cenk Tosin, he was, he was good link-up play and whatnot, but I will say at, at some point you got to ask for more than just link-up play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. you got to ask mm-hmm. for more than strength and, and, and linking up play pretty well in some short passes. I'm not faulting him for his performance. I thought it was good, but again, at some point... Uh, the only thing I will add was Sigurdsson was good per usual, but um, it was it was it was really tough to see his scuffed shot at the end oh. because he got the ball at the top of the box. You know, it was maybe thirty seconds left in the match, mm-hmm. and you're just thinking, "All right, you know, he this gets it. it on frame." But yeah, this is this was like a, a it was on his favorite right foot. This was a um, storybook ending. You know, buried in the top right corner. Just put and, it on frame at least, right? You know, and you know, I just had that feeling, that warm and fuzzy feeling, like here it is, <laughs> and there it went really quickly it's over the bar. It, yeah. yeah. So overall, I thought, I, and and finally, I guess Pickford. Um, I will say something I meant, forgot to mention earlier. I thought Baines he got shredded on the left hand side. Mm. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, as usual, you know, he's fantastic passing, good attacking fullback, but his pace was really, um, or his lack of pace was really highlighted this match. Uh, Coleman. I thought it was kind of weird seeing him perform the way he did. I thought it was I thought it was poor. I thought it was a bad game from Seamus Coleman. And I'm actually going to go as far as to say it's probably one of the worst I've seen from him. Hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see that coincide with the fact that he doesn't have the armband this week or didn't have the armband this week. Hmm. I know we talked about that earlier. So yeah, I thought it was a mixed bag both from Baines and from Coleman. You know, uh, you, you had some positive moments of when they were um, getting up into the into the attack, but then just these random uh, moments where uh, they Coleman specifically uh, a, a couple of times just stand out of this easy ball comes into him, or maybe it, it's on the bounce, but you you hope at least he gets a, a touch on it and controls it, right. even if it's uh, one touch too many. But then it rolls under his foot um, right. and yeah. goes out of bounds. Two to three times in the first half. It, it, like. it was amazing to see a professional uh, soccer player uh, react that way, and you have to wonder if he's you know distracted or uh, you know he's thinking too far ahead and, and just forgetting kind of the, the fundamentals. So I'm um, hoping to see better from, from both of them uh, in the near future. Um, uh, like I said, it's a mixed bag for me. Um, I wouldn't say it was overall uh, a negative impression, but definitely some of those moments do stand out, and you hope to uh, see them kind of clean that up. Yeah. Right. So I guess, um, Matt, who do you think is going to start in place of you know Richarlison and then specifically Michael Keane next week, seeing as how they're both all pretty much all but certain to be out? Hmm. Um, well, I would say uh, Keane... Um, is probably I, I think uh, replacing him with Zuma today was a, a declaration of intent that that Zuma right. uh, is probably um, going to start uh, the next match. Of course, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, right. keep refreshing uh, the Everton subreddit and Twitter and every uh, thing 
to, to find out when he's going to return and who's going to replace him uh, in the meantime. Uh, you know, I'm not sure uh, who is going to replace Richarlison. Right. Um, you know, of course, uh, we will see. Who, who do you think is going to... Well, I mean, him? you have really three options. Um, the most likely options are going to be Bernard and Lookman. Okay. Um, I will say that, you know, you would think initially, okay, Lookman probably, but Lookman didn't make the bench. Bernard right. did, right? And, and yeah. that was literally a direct swap, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is, you know, left winger for left winger because Bernard can play centrally. He can play on, on either side. Um, mm-hmm. But his best play, from what it seems from a lot of reports and, and Shakhtar fans, says comes from the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. So I think probably based on the bench today and what happened, I'd say Bernard. Lookman has a, has a possibility. And then lastly... Um, Kind of an outs- outside chance would be Calvert Lewin. He can play on he can play on the wing too, um, but I don't see that happening over over more traditional wingers. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, as you said, Zuma's definitely going to start over Michael Keane because Yeremina's still hurt. Jagielka is still going to be out for mm. I think two more matches. So it doesn't really leave us with a whole lot of of possibilities. I know Digne can play center back, but I don't think that's a very good idea. You know, he, he's he's mentioned he can do it, but he doesn't want to. Um, he's probably more suited if he has to to play in, like, a back three and, like, left center back, you know. So right. I think, we'll, you know, you're probably spot on with Zuma coming in. And hopefully maybe we can follow the trend and go without a red card next game. <laughs> we'll see. Right. Yeah. So I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show, Matt. Well, thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm really excited uh, to continue. Hopefully you'll be back on soon. Um, it was it was nice to kind of have a conversation, and I'm sure uh, everyone listening appreciates not listening, you know, not having to listen to me talk to myself for 30 minutes solo. I feel like you gave a lot of good insight, um, you know, specifically about about Pickford and how keepers kind of operate and think, but you know, more so just uh, a different opinion because I very much get set in mine and. and that's that. So I really appreciate that. Well, I, I look forward, even when I'm not on, to uh, tuning in to uh, hear your dulcet tones, even for 30 there minutes. There you go. Straight yeah, I really appreciate it. So for all of you, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, as most of you know, I'm not sure what you're listening on, but uh, the American Toffee Podcast is on iTunes. It's on Spotify, Google Play. It's on Stitcher. And I have an RSS feed for it through Libsyn. Um so any anything that's easier for you, please tune in. You know, share it with your friends. I'd really appreciate it. Um, join the Everton subreddit if you if you haven't already. So it's pretty easy to make a Reddit account. Um, just search for Everton in the top, and you'll find r slash Everton. And we have you know twelve thousand members strong. Essentially, Reddit is a place where um, all you know these news articles and conversations and videos and content can be shared in one place under the Everton subreddit. So, you know, uh, maybe Matt will see, you know, a report on Michael Keane. Here's how long he's going to be out, and here's who is probably going to replace him. He can share that on the Everton subreddit, and then it's a one-stop shop for all these all these different pieces of news and, and content for you to see at the same time. Furthermore, you know, we have uh, great match threads. So during the match, you can get on Reddit, and you can um, literally comment on a live feed with all, you know, 12,000 other Evertonians. Um, post-match threads, you know, we do votes. Sometimes there are giveaways. Uh, there's a fantasy league through the subreddit as well. So it's a really great place. Um, and please join us if you aren't already. 
please follow me on Twitter at AlexJ757. Um, I'm, you know, currently the only way I've been able to broadcast and kind of share the podcast has been through Reddit. And so I'm trying to kind of build a following on Twitter um, to do a better job of that. And, you know, I just, I do this because I want to interact with other Everton fans. As Matt knows, there are essentially none are there in the are area. two in the right, area. Yeah. yeah. So and you're talking to them. <laughs> right. So it's it's harder and, and, and it makes it more fun because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea fans, you know, the the blanket um um you know streamline type of teams. So mainstream teams, sorry. So it's really exciting and I would really appreciate it if you came and hung out and interacted with us. Um but again, I really appreciate you tuning in and until next time, come on you blues. <laughs>